0: To, to get our attention focused back on the scriptures, but focusing our attention on the scriptures is good, and it's, it's kind of relevant to our topic today. We're talking about study. Uh, we've been in this series over the last five, six weeks. I think we're in week five. I'm, I, I get lost sometimes counting numbers, um, which is a problem since I also work as a math teacher, um, but uh, we're, we're, we're actually talking today about study. We've been in this series called Practicing Church, and talking about these practices that have rooted and grounded the church throughout the centuries. These are things that Christians, or followers of Jesus, or disciples of Jesus, uh, have done in, uh, in almost every age and in every culture uh, where they have been trying to follow Jesus. And so finding these, uh, really kind of looking at these practices, you know, we, we talked about fasting, uh, several weeks ago. Uh, that's pretty countercultural. Prayer, you know, is maybe a little little easier to understand, but there's a, there's a connection of prayer and fasting, uh, and how prayer just kind of permeates all of the things that we do as, as believers. We talked about Sabbath, and really honoring the Lord uh, on the Sabbath, and really taking time to rest, and to stop, and to honor God, and to spend a day just with God, not working or toiling, uh, but enjoying His presence, and enjoying His creation, uh, as, as the Lord's Sabbath. We talked about giving. We talked about honoring God uh, with our money. Um, and I mentioned some ways to do that over the break in the announcement. Uh, you know, just how important that is to our worship. Uh, you know, worship, the word worship even means uh, it comes from worthship uh, to, to give God worth, um, to give God things of value that is an important way that we worship. Last week we talked about waiting. And just this practice of of really waiting on the Lord, paying attention to God, being attentive to the Lord, and not moving too fast, but to slow down and to take stock and to take inventory and to, to really listen to God before we decide what to do. And it's kind of connected to this idea of study that we're talking about today. And so today I'm going to try to answer the question, if I can, without the feedback, maybe just turn the gain down a little bit on that, I'm guessing. Uh, if... What place we want to ask the question? What place does study have in the way of Jesus? And I don't want to start with just one verse. I want to just start with one verse. It's maybe not the most positive verse, but I do think it. it whenever I read it, it just it always hits me uh, w- with some power. And it says this: This is something that Jesus said to some religious leaders. Maybe that's why it hits me. Jesus replied, "You are an error." You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Let me read that one more time without the feedback. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that in our weakness you meet us, and in our confusion you speak truth to us. And... uh, when we are missing the mark, you invite us to get back on the path and to come back to you. And so, Lord, I just ask that today that I would do those things um, and that, Lord, that somehow through my words that we would be uh, encouraged and called just into deeper relationship with you and understanding you and your heart better so that we might worship you in all things and share what we've, received effectively with others. And I just ask for these things in Jesus' name. Well, I actually uh, was thinking as I was preparing, uh, actually even just this morning, I felt like the Lord led me to uh, share this little story. So I was 19 years old a while ago, okay? Let's just say that. that actually, Actually, it was 20 years ago, if you can believe that. I was 19 20 years ago, like 19 was more than half of my life ago. That, that's a little bit alarming for me, personally. Uh, but I was 19, and I was back in Lawrence, Kansas, which was my hometown uh, growing up. I'm glad to see KU is in the, is in the NCAA finals. It'll be Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I know uh, I, I hate Mizzou from two directions. I hate it from... Uh, from from being growing up rooting for KU, and I, I've just like alienated half the audience. I, I, I hate Mizzou, having grown up in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, and rooting for the Jayhawks my whole life. And then being a, my my graduate my undergraduate degree is from Southwest Missouri State because of the lobbying interests of people in Columbia, Missouri, uh, trying to uh, keep us from become Missouri State uh, for, for years and years and years and decades and decades. Uh, That finally all ended when my, you know, we credit my wife because she was a legislative intern uh, at the state capitol Uh, in 2005. It finally became Missouri State. But uh, anyway, I I grew up in Lawrence, and I was back in Lawrence over the summer, even uh, between my freshman and sophomore year of college here in Springfield. And I got a job, I got a summer job doing roofing and painting. And now, I I don't know if you've done this kind of work, but it is... uh, it is work, man. It is uh, you know moving ladders and climbing on roofs and ripping ripping the old shingles off, and it, it, you know it's sweaty, uh, intense work. And and you know when you when you do work with people, you, you kind of get to know them. And uh, it was really interesting because that the, there were so many Christians that uh, worked at this job, or at least former Christians, or people who were in some kind of had some kind of history with the church in this job. And There were a couple of these older guys uh, that I worked with. They were in their they were a little older than me, I would say they were like 22, 23, they were kind of like finishing up their college degrees, I was just getting started, and uh, these couple of guys, uh, I, I think I, they were really amused by me, you know, because I was a young pup, you know, they, and they like to kind of rib and tease me a little bit, and, and to understand who I was at that point, I had been a follower of Jesus for about five years. I came to Jesus when I was 14 in a, in a pretty powerful way, that or at least powerful and life-altering to me, Um, and I was really, really into it, right? Like, I was really into God. I was reading my Bible all the time, and I was going to church. I was a a youth leader in the church. Like, I was leading other youth in my church, and I was really involved in a lot of things, and I had done lots of Bible studies, and just really, you know, I've read the Bible uh, all the way through at 19. Like, I actually had pulled that off, and you know all those things, and, and uh, you know, so I thought I was doing doing pretty good. And and some, one thing that some of my friends and I did, you know, because we were we were on fire in the '90s. I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase or not, but we were like, we were really into Jesus. And I don't think that's bad. I think that's it's really good. But we were on fire for Jesus. And, and I actually had a homemade T-shirt. I had a T-shirt that I had drawn on with marker uh, that said that had just had the Bible verse John three sixteen, like right right across my chest on on my homemade T-shirt. And I wonder, this used to be a very well-known Bible verse. Is anybody here who could just rattle that off? Does anybody know, John? I'm seeing a few hands, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall have eternal life or everlasting life or abundant life. A few different ways you could look at that word. Yeah, and so, you know, um, I, I had one of these kind of older guys, to understand these older guys, I think uh, they were a little bit older and a little bit wiser, and you know, nobody is as wise as a young man in his 20s, right? Especially a young white man in his 20s, right? Like, I mean, like, you know, if you want to talk about who knows everything, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I was one of those once, so I feel like I can, I feel like I can tease a little bit, but uh, you know, th- these guys, they, were, they, they just thought I was so cute you know they were kind of patting me on the head or whatever and and uh and so anyway we're working away at, you know stripping the stripping the old paint off the side of this building so we can paint put a new fresh coat on and whatever it's kind of hot or whatever we're talking and you know and, and and uh I could tell these guys you know one of these guys in particular was really I, now I have the language of deconstructing I would say he was he was definitely in that deconstruction phase that was definitely still happening in the 90s that that's actually like uh, if you haven't gone back and listened to that whole little sermon series we preached on deconstruction, that's actually kind of like a pretty normal part of faith. Like, you have to kind of renegotiate your faith every few years because you change. And so then how you interact with your faith, uh, that has to change. And so you change, you, your faith has to grow. You have to kind of ask some questions, figure out, well, what do I still believe about that? Do, how do I hold on to that? Um, in what ways can I trust that God is real uh, knowing what I know now and having been through what I've been through. Anyway, but he was kind of in, I think, a little bit of an angry deconstruction phase, having, uh, I think, been forced to attend a Bible school uh, and, you know, probably probably had a lot of debt uh, with that Bible school degree and things, and uh, I think he was a bit bit jaded. Anyway, so he asked me, hey, what's on your shirt, you know? So I rattle off the, um, I rattle off the, the verse, you know, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. And he kind of just looked at me with a little bit of a skeptical look and he says, and what does it mean to believe? Simple question, right? I mean, that's, that, that's not a very, not a very complex question. But at 19, I, I was really a little bit taken aback by that question. And I have to tell you that I felt a little embarrassed that I wasn't totally sure. There was something about that, you know. I had been I had been taught to declare the gospel, and I'm actually going to talk about that next week. I'm going to talk about um, declaring, uh, is, is a practice that the church has done, and I, I think it's an important practice. I believe in that practice, but but I'd, I'd been taught to you know tell people what to believe. That that had been drilled into me, and and like knowing what's true and. All those things. But I don't know that I had been really discipled in conversation about the gospel. I don't know that I had really been. I had really learned how to have a conversation. And so, for the, for somebody to ask me a question, I just. I didn't know. And I think the reason that this experience has stuck with me. Uh, is because I remember feeling really embarrassed that I didn't have an answer to that question, right? And maybe you've been in a conversation with Faith with somebody at some point, and you felt a little embarrassed that, you know, they brought up something that you haven't thought about before. And let me just tell you, like, if that happens to you, you can still cling to Jesus, and you can just not know, and it will be okay, and you can keep following Jesus. It's okay to not know things and still believe in Jesus, right? You know, that, that's okay. Like, that's going to probably happen to you at some point. Uh, but the other reason I think that it stuck with me, and I think the reason I was so embarrassed that I didn't really have a clear definition of like what it means to believe uh, in Jesus, is that this was supposed to be really important to me, right? Like I I was really emotionally invested in this thing, but I didn't have a good answer in that moment, and I felt I felt like there was something wrong. About that. There's something wrong with me, or I I kind of failed in some way, and that was tough. But I think it's important for us as believers to understand that those times are going to happen. That's part of the long journey of following God. And so, one of the first things that I want to say just today, as we talk about this subject of study, is if you think you have comprehended God think again. Like there is always more to learn. There is always more to meditate on, to consider, to study like and I'm not saying that we can't know God at all. I'm not saying that we can't know things about God. I'm not saying that like the gospel is so super complex that, you know, you have to have like a PhD to understand it or something like that. Not at all, but I'm just saying if you think you've arrived, maybe, maybe ask some better questions, right? Maybe get a little more real. Maybe uh, pray and ask God to show you something else that He might want to show you. There's always more of God to explore. I've actually been thinking about that question of what does it mean to believe for a long time because I think that actually is a really good question, uh, I think I probably would have better answers now if, if somebody asked me that question. I'd say, well, you know, it, you, you probably need some head knowledge, but it's also really a relationship of trust, right? Do I, do I actually trust that God has my best interests at heart, that God knows what He's doing with the course of humanity, and have I submitted my life to Him? Am I trusting God like He's actually God? I think that might be kind of close to a definition of what it means to believe. And I think we could probably talk about that. I could probably talk about that question for like several sermon series, right? But, uh, but if you think you have got all the answers, uh, I would just, hey, careful. Because the Sadducees thought they had all the answers when they were trying to trick Jesus in this story. And he said, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. So if you think you have it all figured out, think again. Ask some better questions. Dig in a little more. The thing is, is that God is worthy of a lifetime of study. We will never stop learning to understand God because there's always more. There's always more to look into. There's always more to dig into. There's always more to consider. There's always more to explore. And there's always more to learn about an infinite being From the perspective of being finite right i actually not sure we will ever stop learning about how wonderful and good and glorious and beautiful our god is i think we start now and i think whatever happens after we die when in the new heavens and the new earth i think we continue i think that's my opinion that's maybe a little bit conjecture but but god is worthy of a lifetime of study. What could be more important than knowing the living God with whom you will meet and spend time with throughout eternity? God is worthy of our time and our attention. Waiting on the Lord involves study, and it is good for us to spend that time. I want to be careful here. Uh, there are a few things that I'm not saying when I'm saying we should study the Lord. I'm not saying that degrees or academic achievements are, uh, that those qualify people to be leaders in the church. Uh, I'm also not saying that knowledge of God is enough. And so I just kind of want to read, I, I want to read this passage of Scripture. I'm just going to let the Scripture speak for itself here. This is, this is something that Paul had to say to the church in Corinth. He said this, he said, for the message of the cross... Is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, sorry, for since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I want to be careful when I'm saying... uh, Oh, here, I got a couple more verses, dang it. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, not the things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. We have to be careful when we talk about this subject of study because there's sort of a dark side to academia, and I hope I'm not offending anybody. I know we have a lot of people who work in academia, who work for the university, who are part of this church. I love education. I am an educator myself. I believe in education. Education is good, but there's a dark side to education that has been uh, corrupted by capitalism, right? the spirit of greed that uses education as an unreasonable measure to say some people have value and deserve to get paid more uh, versus other people who have less value and deserve to be paid less. There is a way that education, like any good thing, can be weaponized as an unreasonable measure and used to harm people or used to bar people or used to discredit people. And I'm not saying that I don't believe in our institutions of higher learning. I'm not saying anything like that, quite the opposite. But I think we just need to be aware that when we talk about study, there's a real temptation of knowledge. And that idea of a temptation of knowledge might seem like, oh, is he being anti-intellectual? Ah, well, what, what I'm saying is knowledge is like one of the original temptations, right? Like the, the garden, there's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right in the middle. And our choice as human beings is are we going to accept our limits or are we going to try and lean into our own knowledge and our own understanding and define good and evil for ourselves? That's right in the middle of that story and in that situation. And there are ways in which we are doing that and using education as really more uh, a gateway to class, right? Pay this instructor enough money, get through the class, and then you will become higher class through your higher education. That's the way of the whole world. That's the way of every empire. And it really comes down to greed in many ways. The good news is that there's some common grace, and there's good things that happen in education. There's good things that happen through knowledge and learning, I am an educator, okay? I believe in education, and, and please do not understand me to say that I am saying that serious scholarship has no value in the pursuit of God, quite the opposite. I think uh, go and get a degree in the Bible. Go and get uh, a degree in, in theology. Go and study the, the Word of God. Get, you know, get fluent in Greek, get fluent in Hebrew, like dig in. Go get a PhD or get the equivalent, in your spare time, like, you know, get, get online and learn some online class that's not accredited that you don't have to pay, pay money to, to be part of. Like, get training, get wisdom. Like, the, the, the scriptures are full of that advice, especially Proverbs. Like, do whatever it takes. Pay whatever cost you have to pay to get wisdom. It's good. Scholarship is good. But we just can't use it as an unreasonable we- a measure, an un- unreasonable weapon to keep people out of the kingdom of God, and so it's important for me to offer that very longly stated caveat. What I am saying is it's good to read a book, right? And God is worth reading a book about. Like God is worth reading the scriptures. God is worth digging into the book, right? Digging into the uh, you know, Mark, Mark, Matthew, John, Luke, the New Testament, the Old Testament, all of it, Genesis to Revelation, really digging in, even when it's difficult, even when it seems like it's full of non sequiturs or stuff that is like really difficult to understand, I'm, I'm going to propose this morning that it's actually the best kind of study that you can do. The, the, the study that will yield higher results is when you work through those hang-ups that we have with scripture that when we find a scripture that it's like oh this is really weird it makes me uncomfortable and I don't get it that there is an invitation from God to push in and to dig and to look for answers to get over that discomfort to to move through that to a greater understanding to a greater peace and to a greater knowledge of the Lord and that there is there's a type of devotion and a type of formation in our spirits that happens when we dedicate ourselves to that kind of study that changes our minds and it changes our being, and it is a good thing in and of itself. And so just as a really practical step, if we want to get more intense with the Lord, if we want to go deeper into His love, you know, we've got a lending library out there. Go pick a book, any book, and spend some time unplugged, reading about god let like me just try that just make make some time and space for that maybe sometime this week or you know some some people are just really stressed in the max it's like man josh you're giving us homework yeah I, like i think god is worth a little bit of homework so let's do it. Let's read a book. Let's read a book about Jesus. Let's read the book, and let's read some other books that kind of help us understand the book. So when we come into these tricky or difficult scriptures that are kind of like confounding, that we can dig a little deeper, that we can gain knowledge and understanding and deepen our discipleship. I think that is good, all right? One, one little just uh, hint. This is, the, this is uh, you know, a phrase that I hope will become embedded in our hearts as we look at the Scriptures, one thing that can be really helpful, and this is, you don't have to have a college degree to understand what I mean by this. This is something that everybody can use when they read the Scriptures, is this idea that all meaning is context-dependent. Let me just say that again. All meaning is context-dependent. And so, when we look at a passage of Scripture, a particular verse or particular word you know, to understand what that word means, we have to understand a little bit more about the other words around it, right? We have to understand a word only makes sense if it's in a sentence. Oftentimes, sentences are part of a paragraph. Oftentimes, that paragraph is spoken into a setting with a with a speaker and an audience. A lot of times, that speaker and an audience may be completely obvious to us, or we may need to look, you know, outside descriptions and see, well, what, what have scholars discovered as they've studied this, if they've put a lifetime of study into doing archaeology, doing textual criticism, like looking at all these different aspects of really trying to understand what is being said in the scriptures, all meaning is context dependent. And so if we are finding ourselves confused, we're finding ourselves that we don't, we're not sure that we understand this word or this passage or this scripture entirely, it's really good to zoom out a little bit, right? Read the whole section that that verse is part of. Read the whole letter right? You know, read all of 1 Corinthians. Have you ever done that? It's only 16 chapters. It's like two Wikipedia articles. Just like, I mean, it's probably less, honestly. Like, if you just sit down and just read it all the way through, read that whole letter all the way through, it will, the, then when you go by verse by verse and you start to take smaller chunks, it makes a lot more sense in light of the whole. You can start to kind of start to follow the flow of Paul's argument, what he's trying to say to this community, and in in sunday mornings oftentimes we get so granular because we're really focused on just a few words and that's awesome and good and that's wonderful we want to understand those words we understand the scriptures deeply but sometimes just backing up and reading the whole passage reading the whole book if it's a short enough book or reading long passages can help us get more context for what's happening and then whenever we read the bible we're also reading you know this little passage of the bible in the context of the whole of scripture right so if our whole argument or our whole belief system hinges on just a few little verses, we'll probably need to take a broader view. It probably be good to dig into wider material. And it would probably be good to understand something about the history of that culture outside of the Bible so that we know the world that the Bible is being spoken into. Of course, this is a monumental task, and this takes time and effort and energy. Not everybody has the ability to do this but some people do and they've given their lives to studying this stuff and they've written books they've written easy and accessible and, 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 and you know able to like possible to understand books uh, you know there's even YouTube videos now right there's even YouTube videos so reading isn't your thing like I mean the Bible project so good so excellent five minutes animated entertaining interesting meditations on Themes in scripture that will help us understand what particular scriptures mean in light of the whole. And so, just kind of having that understanding that all meaning is context dependent is such a good thing when we're studying the scriptures and when we're practicing study as a spiritual discipline. So, let's practice this just a little bit, right? So, this is the context in which Jesus says to the Sadducees that thing he says, that you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. That same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and the third brother, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Of the seven, since all of them were married to her. All right. This is a weird idea, right? This whole Leverite marriage thing, like, that's pretty, that's not our culture, right? To understand this, we would need to, we'd need to, like, probably look back at Leviticus and we probably need to know what was going on in the culture around that. And really, this challenges many of our modern assumptions about marriage. it challenges my deeply held assumptions about the value of women and, and women's ability to choose um, their own destiny and their own, like, make, make, make their choices. I, I believe that Jesus was a feminist in that he, he believed in the radical notion that women were people. And historically, that is a radical notion. That's the sad truth of the world that we live in, because we live in a world that's fallen and broken and marred by sin. We see it in Genesis. Okay. Well so Jesus says in reply he says you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of the god or the power of god at the resurrection people will neither marry nor be given in marriage they will be like the angels in heaven but about the resurrection of the dead have you not read what god has said to you i am the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob he's not the god of the dead of the living and when the crowds heard this they were astonished at his teaching now my guess is that even just reading this you you're kind of like wait what 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 there was probably something in that scripture that was like wait what is he what is that what is he saying what does that mean and i'm going to be a little bit mean to you today and i'm not going to resolve it I want you to go and dig in. I want you to go and be disturbed. I want you to go and have questions (laughs) and to look into it. If there's something about God that is confusing or stymieing to you, uh, dig in. Study this. Ask the questions. Really give it some time and some effort and some energy. There's a saying in education that Whoever's doing the work is doing the learning. And sometimes I wonder, if you've been part of this church for a while, you know I've tried to mess with this whole sermon thing to try and, you know, make it a little more interactive, put a little more pressure on y'all to kind of like interact with the scriptures. And we do that on some Sundays, and maybe we'll do that again. I think it can be, it can have the effect of not being super welcoming to newcomers, and so I have... I have some reservations about that. I think it was a little bit of a failed experiment, but whoever's doing the work is doing the learning. Uh, Sometimes I think pastors, we want to take all the work out of it for people and make it easy. And there's good reasons for that. Like, it is all about grace, right? Like, you don't have to do homework for God to love you. Uh, But it's good to love the Lord your God with all of your mind. Of everything that you have. So if there's something in there that's like bugging you, go dig into it, figure it out. Read a book. And then finally I would say, uh, you know, all of this knowledge, all this, all this learning, all of this study, it isn't actually the end. This is actually just part of the prerequisite to knowing how to discern God's will and doing that. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And there's, there's kind of two kinds of knowledge, right? Like there's the knowledge of like, hey, I, I, in theory, I know how to do a thing. I could tell you the steps to how to do that thing. And then there's, I've done it a hundred times. Right? And Jesus taught his disciples mostly in the second kind of way. They lived life with him. They did life with him. They followed him. They they. They slept when he slept. They got up when he woke up. They prayed the way that he prayed. They uh, ate the things that he ate and, and, and how he ate. Down to the details, really being taught as disciples. And I think that discipleship uh, is so much more about obedience than it is just about head knowledge. And it always has been. This is a theme that runs all through the scriptures. I mean, really, that, that tragedy in Genesis 1 is really more about obedience than it is about knowledge. It's about trust. And so knowledge is a good and necessary prerequisite. I, I think it's good to take time. It's good time to wait. It's, it's good to take time to wait, to discern, to learn, to know what God is saying. But then that's not the end. The end isn't just to know. The end is to do. The end is to believe and trust God in a way that changes the way that we live in a way that God is actually calling the shots in our life, and we are following him. Obedience is greater than knowledge. Ezekiel said it this way. He said, My people come to you, as they usually do, and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. Let it not be so of the people in this church. Let it not be so in this congregation, in this gathering, in this fellowship. Let us be the kind of people who are just medieval enough to believe the word of God actually tells us how to live and that we can trust God. That if we live that way, we're hearing from God's voice. Let us be the people who put into practice the things that God is instructing and inviting us to do. Let us be people who are willing to risk looking foolish in the eyes of the world in order that we may shame the wise. In order that we may be the people who have heard God's voice and have responded in faith and who have tried to do the things that God is doing, to speak the words that God is speaking, to heal in his name in order that we might be saved and that people might know the love and the grace and the goodness of God. Would you stand? This is a time when we like to try to put our theology into practice where we actually believe that God's kingdom has come in power on the earth in and through the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so we invite people to receive prayer. Uh, maybe some something I said in the sermon was stirring you up and you're feeling the need to really wrestle with something that maybe you've kind of been putting off. You say, you know, I've, I've got this hang up with God. I've got this little weak spot in my faith that I know I'm a little shaky on. Like, I just don't know what to think about that. And I'm maybe I'm even a little bit scared to look into it because I'm not sure what I'm going to find. I don't know how I'm going to relate to God at the other side of that. I just want to say, uh, guess what? There's grace for that fear and, and God can handle your questions. And so if you're you're feeling afraid to, to really ask a question of God and to really study something, uh, I feel like the Lord would like to break that fear off of you and help you go on that journey to get deeper in your faith. And so please come up and and get prayer about that this morning. Uh, maybe you're just feeling like, yeah, you know, like these habits of study, these habits of prayer, I've been struggling with that. I'd like to get better at that. I'd like to like, maybe have some ordinary study and prayer in my life. I'd like to maybe work on that habit. Come forward. I think the Lord would, would want to bless you and speak to you about those things. Um, I also just would say, uh, maybe you're somebody who, you, you know this stuff, and, and you, you know the answers, but doing it, is, is tricky come up and get prayer also maybe you here are here and you've got some physical pain in your body um and you just really want god to heal you come up and get prayer if any of that resonates or if none of that resonates and you just want to experience the love and the power of god come up and get prayer